Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshot.net. It's beginning to look a lot like a controversial issue. With the number of people in Ireland identifying as Christian decreasing in the last decade, with notable increases in the population of Muslims and Hindus, that's 95% and an 135% increase respectively since 2006, primary schools around the country now host an increasing number of pupils that do not celebrate Christian festivals such as Christmas. However, 95% of Irish primary schools are under the ethos of either the Catholic Church or some other Christian denomination, where Christmas is taught as a religious and historical event. Even outside of Christian schools, such as Educate Together, Christmas celebrations can be a sensitive issue, where they must attempt to strike a balance between celebrating Christmas and taking care not to give a dominance over other religious festivals. That's me quoting the ethos framework. This has proved in recent years to have caused some controversy with the organisation feeling forced to provide clarification on how it provides lessons on Christmas. In this episode, I'm going to explore why Christmas is now becoming a bit of a controversial issue in schools and what I would do if I were the Minister for Education. Hello, hello and season's greetings to you all. This is Simon Lewis from Unshaw.net with If I Were the Minister for Education, a weekly podcast where I look at the world of primary education and wonder what I would do if I were the Minister for Education. You can subscribe to this podcast on any of your favourite podcasting apps and please tell your teacher friends or anyone else who might be interested in primary education about the podcast and if you've enjoyed this or any other episode of this podcast, please leave a review. Now, as many listeners will know, I grew up in a Jewish family, which meant that as a child, I didn't celebrate Christmas. Well, kinda. I mean, I think my parents probably felt sorry for myself and my sister as almost all of our friends were visited by Santa on Christmas Day and I guess they didn't want us missing out despite the fact that we already had Hanukkah which was eight presents over eight days but maybe they just liked the idea of the magic of the whole thing. The only thing though was that we weren't allowed to tell anyone in school that Santa came to us because we went to a Jewish school and I suppose much like most religions, I guess the idea was not to let ourselves down, at least in public. So anything visibly Christmassy didn't happen in our house. We had no Christmas tree, no tinsel and no Christmas dinner. And I guess to circumnavigate this, our parents packed me and my sister off to my Catholic auntie's house to decorate their Christmas tree and on Christmas day we went to another Catholic aunt and she'd make us Christmas dinner. Um, There mustn't have been any Chinese takeaways open in Ireland back in the 1980s uh, so maybe that's why we went to her for Christmas dinner. But with that in mind 
I'm probably not the best example of a minority who had to tolerate Christmas because, let's face it, in my family we completely assimilated and in our own way pretty much embraced Christmas, well at least the secular part of it. I don't didn't really know how I didn't really know much about the story of Christmas and to be honest I don't know when I first came across it but I'm sure it was TV that taught me. As an adult I'm no longer looking over my shoulder and I guess I, I reluctantly celebrate the commercial aspect of Christmas and yes I admit I love getting my presents on Christmas day. The rest I could definitely take or leave. Now we aren't celebrating uh, our son with any religion in particular, but Santa does visit our house. And I'm not sure if that makes me a hypocrite, but it leads me nicely to what I want to talk to you about today. I've spoken before on this podcast about hypocrisy when it comes to what I call, I suppose, ticky box Catholic families who don't believe in any of the messages of the church, but they still go through with the sacraments for example, because they've somehow been convinced that communion and confirmation are actually Irish culture rather than Catholicism. And I've spoken how I I actually don't really care what families do in their own time, but the effect of their actions, particularly let's say with sacramental preparation, means that we have an education system almost entirely influenced by conservative Catholic values. That is, that all children in schools, in most schools, are subjected to Catholic indoctrination, which includes things that most Irish people don't really like. For example, the anti-LGBT plus messaging that goes on in these schools. However, I don't work in one of these schools. I work in an Educate Together school. And just because I celebrate the commercial aspects of Christmas doesn't mean that all of the pupils and their families in my school do the same thing, nor in any Educate Together school or a community national schools. And while I can be a hypocrite in my own personal life, forcing others to join in with my hypocrisy, I don't think is on in much the same way as I give out about the ticky box Catholics and their sacraments. Yet, in many schools, Educate Together and Community National Schools included, you will find Christmas to be a festival that is celebrated, not just taught about. And in fairness to Christian schools, they're entitled to celebrate Christmas in whatever way they choose, though one does sense they probably should focus more on Jesus than the elf on the shelf, but the same could be said to multi-denominational schools. When multi-denominational schools teach about festivals like Rosh Hashanah, Diwali, Eid and so on, I'm fairly sure they focus on the religious significance of them. But when it comes to Christmas, the same should be done. And asking, why do Christians celebrate Christmas and what is the story of Christmas rather than the commercial aspects which you'll often see? As Ireland continues to become a multicultural place, people like me whose family assimilated into these Christian-normative, I suppose, Christian-normative cultures, I think the, is, I like that phrase, a Christian-normative culture, can no longer be taken for granted. There's many families, and they aren't all migrants before you xenophobic people come along, but, <laughs> but you know, Christmas is not something that everyone celebrates. 
For lots of reasons, and not all religious, mind you, there are many people who find Christmas morally objectionable. For example, many people are moving away from that commercial centeredness of the whole thing. Many people actually find Christmas a really hard time of the year, whether that's due to poverty or bereavement or anything else. And suffice to say, despite all the various ads on TV, Christmas is sometimes not merry or bright. And it is becoming a controversial topic. I decided to do a postgraduate in ethical education in DCU and one of our essays was to talk about a controversial issue and I decided I'd cover Christmas. Now I did the um, postgraduate I think it was in the middle of spring when I decided to do that that's that's uh, how much I care about Christmas I'm thinking about it in February anyway as I said over the last few years I've been feeling a lot less comfortable knowing that my own normals are not shared by everyone. And to be perfectly honest, I always keep thinking about a meeting I had with a family who told me they weren't going to be sending their kids to school for the last couple of weeks of term. And the reason was because they don't celebrate Christmas. And I remember I tried my best to convince them that we don't do anything religious. And I listed all the songs from the concert, uh, which were all secular Christmas songs. I let them know there was no pressure at all to wear a Christmas jumper or Santa hats. And, and, to be, and they were really gracious about everything. But every year, they just didn't come to the winter concert. And the kids just didn't come to school for the last couple of weeks. So I decided to explore the concept of Christmas in schools and whether any other countries have had to tackle these issues in the past and what they did in the end. But before I get into that, I recently saw another country um, who is currently grappling with a Christmas tradition that has become highly controversial and very contentious. And it's probably something you've seen maybe on online, on, on YouTube or on Twitter and all the rest of the places. I, that's how I think where I saw it there. It's um, from the Netherlands, in the, basically the, in, the, in the country in the Netherlands. There's a character in the traditional Dutch version of Christmas called Black Peter. Now, I don't think you need to use your imagination really to find out what happens, but I'll explain it. And for decades, and probably longer, Dutch people have these parades in December where white people paint their faces in black makeup, pretending to steal sweets and presents from the white children in the crowds. Now, anyone outside of the Netherlands would look at a video of this and in less than five seconds and identify it as absolutely, unquestionably racist. However, in the Netherlands, white Dutch people are calling it culture and tradition and that woke people are trying to destroy the things that make Dutch people Dutch. Sounds familiar? No? But anyway, let's get into my essay that I wrote. And sorry if it comes up a little bit more academic than I usually am, but um, I am basing this podcast episode on the essay I wrote. But I'll do my best not to make it too boring and academic. And I'll, obviously, as I'm reading parts of my essay, I'll be, you know, putting in my own thoughts. And please remember, as I'm reading this and I'm, I'm talking about this, remember, I really, really like people disagreeing with me. I, I think um, some people uh, might not realise that, but 
I, I, I make these podcasts um, to be provocative in some ways, to be disruptive, to start conversations about uncomfortable things. It is a controversial uh, podcast, I know, for uh, many people. I mean, I don't find the things I talk about controversial, really. This is probably as controversial as I feel I'm getting. But I don't mind you disagreeing with me. So if you do disagree, please feel free to comment on my Twitter feed. I'm found at Simon M. Lewis. So, Essentially, my plan is to explore some educational approaches to Christmas within a children's rights framework. For me, we have to look at human rights and children's rights when we're looking at Christmas. Um, I'm going to examine the various policies and practices within this kind of framework, as well as drawing on things I've seen and heard. And don't worry, I didn't have that in my essay, so just don't be worrying about that. And finally, and this is a mishy academic kind of stuff, I'm going to offer a critical examination of a primary school, including a plan of action to strengthen democratic principles and children's rights. That sounds very academic. I'm basically going to come up with a plan, okay? And that's what we'll do. So first a bit of academic background on religion, democracy and children's rights. Ireland's primary education system is predominantly denominational, as you know, in structure, with 95% of schools at least under some form of Christian patronage. And up until 1965, secular instruction and religious instruction were actually taught separately. Um, a lot of people don't realise that uh, the permeation of religion into uh, the whole curriculum is relatively recent. And that was in 1965 in Rule 68, which stated in the rules of national schools that of all the parts of the school curriculum, religious instruction is by far the most important as um, as its subject matter. And basically that's had the effect that a characteristic spirit permeates every aspect of the school day. Now, and because of this, and this is that's, that's all that Rule 68 pretty much was, it went on a little bit, but because of this, the rights of children in the current school structure fall short, and I'm quoting that from uh, the Universal, uh, uh, from, from, from some academic paper, I won't bother with the reference, but if they fall short of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And despite actually the rescinding of Rule 68 in 2016, um, the Catholic Church through the Bishop's Council for Education said it didn't change the teaching of religious education in Catholic schools. So they basically ignored uh, the Rule 68 being removed. So basically the opposing views on the rights of a child in education creates this tension across the curriculum, making any religious subject or theme a controversial issue. Now, see, I can be a bit serious, but let's keep on going if I'm not already boring you. Um, because, you know, there, I, I'd like to, I want to give you some examples here, okay? But we'll get into other things for, first. I want to give you a bit more background because we want to talk about democracy. This is kind of important. Um, and I'll give you a couple of names. Why not? Let's get some academics into this. So these two academics, Backman and Trafford, they state that a democratic school system, and this is what they said, indicates that school governance is based on human rights values, empowerment and involvement of students, staff and stakeholders in all important decisions in the school. And not only highlighting the rights of the children, but also the democracy of the decisions made in terms of how issues are taught. Now, interestingly, and this is this is quite interesting to me. No research in Ireland has measured children's experiences or views of religion at all in a school context. That's really interesting to me. There hasn't been a single bit of research in Ireland about children's experiences or views of religion in the school context. Now, I'm not sure how to date that might be because I think this 
think the children's school lives uh, did something very briefly on it. I'm not sure if they got the children's views on it, but um, my understanding is there's nothing. Um, so it really sums up the lack of democracy and children's rights within the primary school system in Ireland. I mean, it's not fascinating. I think that's fascinating. There hasn't been a single piece of research on democracy in Irish primary schools on the topic of religion. Now, it's not... a I, I don't know why I'm surprised or surprised sounding about because what researcher is actually going to be able to find a sample of schools willing to allow that happen? And uh, some might say, ah, that's 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 not true. Something, but if you think about the um, you know, an example of something that really happens, like the different family same love is the is the one example I always use in this podcast. It's a LGBT plus um, uh, INTO LGBT plus satire's annual uh, annual competition where uh, schools are invited to uh, take part in celebrating different families and very very few if any uh, well very few not if any very few catholic schools um, or religious schools enter the competition um so i i can see why there hasn't been much research as i've already said christmas as a controversial subject in irish primary schools is one that may not be being considered in 2022 until now in this podcast. <laughs> However, further afield, the question of separating the cultural celebration of Christmas from the religious one has a very long history. Um, that might be surprising to you, but I found a piece of research uh, from a guy called Bloom, um, who in 1980 told an anecdote from December, and here's the year, 1905. 1905 over a hundred years ago in america so an elementary primary school in america where the principal of a school in his christmas assembly exhorted the children to be more like christ um and you know that's that's kind of interesting because i've um i've been to a church around christmas time and i've heard priests in ireland talking about you know asking people to be more like christ you know when they're talking about christmas but in america in 1905 this led to a city-wide boycott of classes by jewish families in america and um, in 1976 another researcher called aquino in his paper uh, which was called i like this one can we still sing christmas carols in public schools explored the issue of finding uh, that virtually all guidelines dictate care in planning Christmas ceremonies so as not to offend or alienate individual students. So, I mean, this is 1976, um, which is really interesting because I think people think um, that this is a modern day thing about offending people. You know, it's a woke thing of, you know, in the noughties. This is 1976 where they didn't want to offend or alienate individual students. And they cited some court cases from the uh, early 1970s um, and that led to some decisions. Uh, there was one in 1972 from a school and superintendent in Maryland in America that ordered no songs of music programs that have a significance for a particular religion should be performed during the period which coincides with a specific religious celebration. Very interesting language there. Um, another researcher went further by stating that Christmas rituals inevitably express sectarian Christian religious content and thus are kind of proselytization, so uh, sort of indoctrination. So really very, very strong views from across the Atlantic. And some of you might find those views very, very, very extreme, maybe a step too far. And you might begin to start accusing me of deeply secular values or secular views in the way that the word secular has somehow become a dirty word in Ireland. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm merely telling you about conversations that happened in another country 
well over 50 years ago, even 100 years ago, where Christmas was considered even then a controversial issue. So what about Ireland? Has there been any real discussion around this? Well, according to the NCCA, Ireland's long had an experience of ethnic, cultural, linguistic and religious diversity, um, which is true. Um, And that's from the Intercultural Education in Primary School document. And it offers a number of exemplars of best practice in terms of approaching teaching. Now, I looked at this document. It's over 170 pages long. There is not a single reference to Christianity or the celebration of Christian festivals such as Christmas. And the document focuses more on racism and ethnicity. And, you know, it's interesting um, to hear that, like something on, you know, talking about ethnic, cultural, linguistic and religious diversity doesn't mention anything anything to do with Christo-normative practices. And um, my friend, <laughs> my I, my friend Anne Lodge and uh, Lynch, someone Lynch, oh, I can't remember Lynch's name, but anyway, Anne Lodge is always writing papers and I always love quoting her. Um, they argue that because Irish education is largely denominationally controlled at primary and second level, the daily operations of most schools assume that students are Christian. That's a really powerful sentence. Um, and she, they wrote this in 2004, nearly 20 years ago. The daily operations of most schools assume that students are Christian. Now, maybe we could extend that a little bit more, that they assume that students are, while they're not Christian, that that Christianity is not alien to them or they have no issues with uh, Christian practices. In other words, even when there is Irish studies on multiculturalism or inclusion, there is a presumption that everyone is Christian in their thinking or at worst sympathetic to a Christian view of the world. Really kind of interesting um, about Ireland and their experience there. And if you ever go to an Educate Together conference, you might be lucky to find yourself in a workshop called Difficult Conversations or Controversial Issues, and you will likely be given a scenario and to discuss, basically. And the most likely scenario you're going to be given is where somebody with religious values um, wishes for their child not to take part in something that in Western culture has no religious undertones. And the most popular example is certain branches of Islam not wanting their child to take part in music. And it's always an interesting discussion whenever I, I never get bored of it. I've been to so many of these talks and that's always one that's there, you know, and I never get bored of listening to people's um, opinions on it um, because, you know, they range really greatly. And you probably have your own opinion and I'm sure other people have other opinions. And actually the the, the, the range will vast will vastly um, be different depending on it. But the general conclusion is that conversations with the affected people must take place and compromise must be made. And this is the, the tension of working in a multi-denominational setting. You, when you work in a, in a Christian school or a Catholic school, you ground everything in that there is a that Catholicism is the, um, the truth. So that is the thing that wins. So and whenever there's a controversial issue, you kind of it's almost like, what would Jesus do? Uh, but, you know, what are the Catholic values? What is the Catholic teachings? Educate together and community national schools. It's more complex because I suppose you can uh, hone things down in human rights, but human rights uh, aren't exactly straightforward either. So again, a lot of conversation and conversation is massive when it comes to this. Dialogue is massive. We listen and we learn from each other and we try and make compromises where we can, where most people can be as happy as possible or everyone. You, you try and reach a point where there's consensus that everybody 
everybody is as happy as one can be. And ultimately, I suppose you can, um, you know, if you have to, I suppose, come down on anything, it comes down to human rights violations. So is something uh, a human rights violation? If it is, well, you know, an Educate Together School or Community National School can't support that. Um, if something isn't against human rights, then it's very hard to compromise fully or at all. But what about Christmas? Because Christmas is a religious festival and forcing people to take part in a religious festival that is against their moral conscience is a breach of human rights. And given that at least 99% of teachers in Ireland consider Christmas not to be a religious event, um, they consider it more to be a cultural event, this can lead to mindsets that may go the way of that music conversation uh, with certain branches of Islam. But the fact is, it is different. It isn't just a cultural thing. Christmas does have religious undertones. I, I can't believe I'm saying, <laughs> I can't believe I actually said that sentence. I mean, Christmas is a religious festival at the centre of it. I think it's being sort of over, uh, you know, greatly, um, you know, taken over by uh, commercialism and, you know, secular values and all the rest of it. But it is at its centre a religious festival. And as an Educate Together school, equal weighting is supposed to be given to belief systems. So if you work in an Educate Together school, just think about your classroom right now. This is uh, coming out um, in the middle of December. And I imagine it's most likely that you have Christmas decorations, perhaps a Christmas tree. And perhaps you have a Santa's workshop in your infant classroom if you teach infants. Um, you might have a crib, you might not. I mean, no, that, that's that's kind of pushing it a, a little bit further. Um, you might have an elf on the shelf or whatever it might be. Now think about how much you celebrated or even decorated your classroom for Diwali. You might have done something. You might have had uh, Rangoli around the room. I don't know. Or Eid. You might have had a Happy Eid poster or something. Or what about Sukkot? You might not know what Sukkot is. Or Nauru's. You might not know what that is. But Nauru's is celebrated by over 300 million people around, uh, around the world. But what about equal waiting? All of these festivals happen in and around the same season. But which one do you give most of your time to. Uh, you might come back to me and there'll probably be a smart aleck coming back to me and say, and I'll offer, well, Halloween and the Chinese New Year. But I think you'll agree generally, to be fair, in general, we probably are guilty of marking Christmas more than almost every other festival. So I wonder, would it be fair to say that there's a clear bias towards Christian festivals in Irish classrooms, even in multi-denominational schools. I mean, just think about your own school's winter concert, if you're in a multi-denominational school, what songs and poems are said and sung? And would it be fair to say there is a bias towards Christmas ones, even if there is maybe a nod or two to other Festival of Lights? So you might have a Hanukkah song, or you might have a Kwanzaa poem or something like that. And for me, I don't think any of this is deliberate. I don't think we've really thought about Christmas as a religious holiday. And because it's so ubiquitous everywhere in Ireland, at least it might be fair to say there's a lack of awareness that teaching during the Christmas season can be exclusionary to some pupils and their families, causing some families to exclude themselves from school. While levels of dissatisfaction in Ireland have not reached those, as I've referenced in that story from 100 years ago, we really need to think about it 
if we are to avoid unhealthy conflict. Maybe not now, but in the next few years. Um, I loved um, this quote uh, from a research called Menedes. And in 1994, so again, 20, 30 years ago, where he states that in schools, the focus on Christmas does not achieve the objectives often ascribed to the festival of Christmas. Peace, harmony, goodwill and joy. It's a good quote, isn't it? You know, that when the focus on Christmas doesn't achieve the objectives of peace, harmony, goodwill and joy often. He believes the solution to avoid in conflict is good policy, which to be fair sounds very boring to me and I kind of disagree with him. Perhaps when he says policy, he might mean practice. I just think policies can be very inflexible, but we can aspire to certain values and ensure that they're recorded for good practice or maybe guidelines, perhaps. I think that may be a bit better. However, I do agree with him when he continues that sweeping the matter under the rug only invites the animosity and disharmony that inevitably accompanies such conflicts. So let's move on to maybe a more democratic approach, the voices of children. So we need to hear these voices and assumptions have to be avoided. I mean, a lot of people say, well, if you ask the children, they'll all want Christmas. They love Christmas. They have Santa and blah, blah, blah. But do we talk to the children? We have, we, apparently we don't, according to the research. And so it's important to make a classroom a safe place when we're discussing these controversial issues. Because like you're not, even if you've got 100% of your kids that have Santa there, you know, they still need to think about it. Because when they live in the world and they meet their friends on their estate, not all of them will celebrate Christmas. And they might be mean to uh, people, but not through um, any meanness, but through maybe ignorance, you know, that their friends in, in, in a house up the road uh, might not celebrate Christmas. And rather than kind of saying, oh, you must be very bad because Santa doesn't come to you. There's a reason um, why they uh, why they don't. And that's not something that is a threat uh, to, to the child. Uh, we all we all live uh, in the world and we all celebrate different things and we all live in different families and do different things. And we should be able to converse with each other and not hide away from each other. So there's loads of ways of doing this. And I spent a lot of time in my essay talking about this idea of how do we deal with these controversial issues like Christmas? And, it and the idea is to ensure that differing perspectives can be heard and valued. And we get this kind of contract almost, a loose contract of behaviour, acceptable behaviour, when we're talking about controversial issues. And the document I really focus on in this outlined five steps for a classroom contract and offered a respectful foundation for the teaching of controversial issues. Now, I'll link the document in the show notes because, to be fair, it's a really good document and I don't really have time to go through it all um, in, in this podcast. And actually, it's probably worth reading. It's actually quite uh, readable and child friendly and all the rest of it. Um, and it was written in Ireland uh, as well. It's development, by the way, just uh, for if you don't want to get to the show notes, developmenteducation.ie and you'll probably see it there. It's around tackling controversial issues. Now, the document recommends asking a question in, uh, to give a personal focus to the pupil. So we're, we're asking a question as the teacher. We're not telling the children. And while there's no perfect examples, um, a teacher might want to ascertain a pupil's opinion on the topic of Christmas. So we'll talk about Christmas. So examples of a personal focus questions might be, and here's three questions that you might ask. Does your family celebrate Christmas? So you're asking the child, you're asking the children if their family celebrate Christmas. No assumptions, no judgments. What does Christmas mean to you and your family? 
That's another kind of pressing question. So some will have, uh, people who celebrate Christmas will have very different views on that. Uh, some will see it as a significantly religious fe- religious festival. Some will see it as a more secular thing. But there'll be families, of course, where Christmas will ne- mean nothing to their family um, at all. And some will say, actually, it's quite a sad time in our household because it was the day that my whatever, you know, some tragedy or something like that happened. And then the third question, are you aware of anyone that doesn't celebrate Christmas? That's a really good question in a very, very homogenous classroom. Are you aware of anyone that doesn't celebrate Christmas? Because you get stories from that. Oh, my friend Simon uh, doesn't celebrate Christmas. Um, he, he he and his family, they um, get a Chinese takeaway. Uh, instead, he tells me. Um, so it's, it's interesting what kind of conversations can come from that. And as a starting point, they have a workbook in this particular um, document. It offers a variety of methodologies for helping children to understand that not everybody celebrates Christmas and can feel left out during lessons about the topic of Christmas. Now, the teacher's job, and I would suggest this is not just in a multi-denominational school, I think it's something that denominational schools can do, is they can facilitate discussions by taking a number of different approaches. And I want to talk to you about different approaches because if really the idea of this podcast episode isn't really about Christmas particularly. Christmas is the controversial subject, but it's how do you deal with any controversial subject or controversial issues? Um, So I want to go through a few of those things because I found them really, really interesting and they might be helpful to you. Um, So the document has, uh, as I said, lists five stances which a teacher could use to facilitate discussion on how a child that doesn't celebrate Christmas feels in a classroom where Christmas is being taught. So we're using Christmas as the example. And I'm going to list them, as I said, because they aren't very accurate academic and they might be useful to you actually if you're teaching in a classroom so here are the here are the five the first one is the official line so that's where you represent the school's view according to its ethos so in a catholic school you might say that although you understand that not everybody in the class celebrates christmas this is a catholic school and christmas is celebrated unfortunately if you're not in a christian school you have to work a little bit harder. There isn't really an official line. Well, there is an official line, I suppose, but it's a bit harder uh, than just saying we're an educated gay school. So we, because we don't actually have um, a, a thing that you must do. It involves conversation. It involves dialogue. The next thing is neutral facilitator for the teacher. So it's never expressing a personal view. Now, opinionated teachers might find that very difficult, but it's a really interesting one where you become completely neutral and don't give an opinion. The next uh, stance is that you might have your declared interest where the teacher expresses his or her own view. And this can be a risky one at primary level because, and I'll tell you why it's, I suppose, risky at primary level, maybe less so at second level, I'd say, especially where being a teacher is a very powerful position. And it's a position where, you know, children often want to please their authority figure, which is the teacher. And they may take the same stance as the teacher just to please them, you know, and that can be a risk. Now, that's obviously not always the case, but it's an interesting one and one to consider if you want to use that stance of declared interest. So if I talked about my own views on Christmas, you know, my students might just agree with me because, you know, they want to please me um, or they think I'm right because I'm the teacher. It's really uh, we we forget sometimes how powerful we are as teachers. And, um, you know, I I suppose if I was uh, recording a different podcast episode, I might talk about that when we're doing religious indoctrination classes, the faith formation classes, you know, the the children look at you as the teacher. and, And I often hear of families who aren't religious 
um, and they don't opt their kids out. They're, they bemoan the fact that the, the their children actually fight with them about the existence of God, for example, because teacher says that Jesus loves me and you don't believe in Jesus, mommy and daddy. So what's wrong with you kind of thing? It's really interesting, uh, that kind of area. Anyway, that's for another, another day maybe. The next one is being the devil's advocate. So not a neutral facilitator, not a declared actor, but actually just being the opposing view, deliberately expressing the view contrary to the view of the class. And to be honest, that's my favourite one. I love that one. I love uh, being the devil's advocate. Um, and I generally will try and use that. I probably overuse this if I'm ever using it. Um, so I probably need to work on some of the other ones, but I really love devil's advocate. It's my favourite stance. And then the final one is the ally. So it's supporting the view of the minority voice in the class. So... Maybe actually, do you know what? I actually use that one as well too. And it's a really interesting stance to me. So particularly in a room of with Christmas, for example, you might have a child and, you know, the, the Muslim child is always the example that people tend to use who might not celebrate Christmas. And you might take the ally side of, well, what about, what about Simon here? You know, little Simon here, he, he doesn't celebrate Christmas and this is what he does. And suddenly you're the ally to that child. And um, that's an interesting stance. And the aim of any kind of initial session discussing Christmas would probably be to challenge the view that everybody celebrates Christmas. That's what you, you kind of probably want to be your intention, maybe. And the hope would be that through those values of cooperation and fairness and democracy and justice, it'll help the pupils emphasise with their classmates that don't celebrate Christmas. And uh, Sorry, not emphasise, empathise uh, with their, uh, with their uh, classmates that don't celebrate Christmas and thus consider ways to, to make their classroom more inclusive. How do we include Simon in our classroom at this time of the year? And of course, the official stance of the school might scupper this, but in multi-denominational schools, it could lead to some really interesting places, I would suggest. Um, looking at the ethos that I'm most familiar with, and to be fair, it's more or less the same as the Community National School, who, who I guess we, we, we joke simply stole our ethos. Educate Together does dictate its stance around religious festivals in that no one, no one religion or worldview is given priority over another. So we do have an official stance in Educate Together. So my argument that denominational schools would ultimately fail due to ethos, even a multi-denominational model also has an official line. And whatever the democratic outcome of the initial discussion with pupils, the teacher does have to ensure that they express the official line of Educate Together in order to ensure that pupils ground their views in this understanding. Um, so, you know, that's worth considering. You know, there, every, every school has, you know, I suppose, a line or an official line, um, you know, or an official stance um, grounded in some values. And in case you don't know what that is, the current Learn Together curriculum in Educate Together schools does mention the celebration of Christmas. However, it does state that children should research the diversity of traditions associated with specific festivals, such as the differing Christmas celebrations around the world, as an example they say. And the authors acknowledge that teaching about Christmas can be a sensitive issue, and st but state that many Educate Together schools host annual festivals of lights, seasonal get-togethers and winter fairs, which incorporate elements of Christmas, Hanukkah and the winter solstice, as well as other belief systems and philosophical convictions. Now, this Learn Together curriculum has now been updated so it's going to be interesting to see their thoughts on this today because it does sound a little dated even as I'm reading it um, and the new one uh, hopefully as they roll out will be a little bit less dated. In any case let's see the kind of plan let's get to the plan that a school could come up with. 
And given the level of awareness of staff, I think teachers should be provided with suggested activities rather than leaving them to their own devices. And when I say I think, I'm not trying to be undemocratic. I think it's probably fair to say that many teachers don't know where the line might be when it comes to crossing over into indoctrination or proselytising. Currently, Educate Together recommends a methodology of conceptual inquiry, where children are asked to explore concepts that all pupils have in common. So in the case of Christmas, the concept of light might be a good starting point, as Christmas is just one festival of light, along with other belief systems such as Hanukkah, Kwanzaa and Diwali. But there's other contemporary festivals uh, of light, you know, particularly in Ireland. Like if two, two places in Dublin, the Dublin Zoo's Wild Lights is an example of, of a festival of light, let's say, or the Wonder Lights at Malahide Castle, uh, which goes on uh, around this time of the year. Very, nothing to do with religion, but, you know, examples of festivals of light and I think a set of lesson plans for teachers to use would be really helpful. For example teachers could be encouraged to create displays of light that would not promote one belief system over another. I think that's something that you know uh, Educate Together and Community National School as should uh, be encouraging and uh, well worth uh, looking at. Now a school's culture may expect some form of a performance in January, uh, sorry in December. Uh, that's something uh, that's cultural um, and you know might be expected. And while a school might refer to this performance as a winter concert and certainly that's something that I would have done rather than a Christmas concert, if we end up singing loads of Christmas songs is it really a winter concert just because you call it a winter concert? It's still a Christmas concert. And one could be accused of the if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck and looks like a duck uh, sort of allegation. So what could a school possibly do for a winter performance or a winter concert? Perhaps a series of songs and performances that will ensure all groups in the school feel welcome is an idea. You know, listing songs that you're allowed to sing seems a very prescriptive to me. Or maybe to make the event as inclusive as possible, not to make it about festivals at all. Forget about different festivals. Perhaps choose a theme, a universal theme that everyone could buy into, such as love. Um, that could be an option. Um, I'm stealing that from a particular school who's doing that this year. And finally... Um, similarly to many of the examples quoted in the critical reflection from those American studies, decisions around Christmas have to be grounded in policy or guidelines. Now, I'm not keen on policy. I'm more into guidelines. And a school may not necessarily require a discrete policy for teaching Christmas, but maybe it could be part of another policy, such as the equality of access policy, which you have to have, or maybe a teaching controversial topics guidelines maybe or you know I don't know as I said I'm not a fan of policies but I can I can totally see why a school might be tempted to make them and ultimately that's really all I came up with in my essay and if nothing else I hope it gave you maybe some food for thought it might mean something you haven't thought about um, and I'm sure some of you were thinking that you know I'm as bad as all these multinational companies are killing Christmas as well as Irish culture and all that but let's talk about that if that's how you feel you know I'd be very open to a discussion on am I trying to kill Christmas in a way by with my suggestions I mean because one thing I do want to do and as this is the last episode of 2022 because I am going to take a break over the holidays um is I'm going to you know the last thing I want to do is to wish you a happy Christmas if you celebrate Christmas because 
being culturally responsive doesn't mean that one doesn't mention Christmas and it doesn't mean that you can't wish people well if they do celebrate a festival. And because I come from a Jewish background, despite having not practiced the faith in about 30 years, lots of people who know of my background love to wish me a happy Hanukkah around this time of the year. And I take that in the manner that it's meant. It's a nice thing to do. I know it's meant in a positive way. And in return, I will wish those people a Merry Christmas. And if I don't know um, if they celebrate Christmas, I'll absolutely make sure to add, if you celebrate Christmas, I wish you a Merry Christmas. And I think people tend to be okay with that. You know, and I, I mean, I've, I, I've, I say this every year for the last number of years. If I meet someone or I'm saying goodbye to someone around this time of the year, I say, oh, and happy Christmas if you celebrate Christmas and they laugh maybe or they'll say, oh, thank you very much. I do actually. And you say, oh, great, well, happy Christmas kind of thing. And, you know, I think, you know, people are okay with that. I think they are. I don't think there's anything offensive about, you know, just checking in. So you might be wondering at this point, given the name of this podcast, what I would do if I were the Minister for Education. And to be honest, I'd probably suggest that schools teach about controversial issues and talk about them in a respectful manner. And maybe for now, that's good enough way to end the podcast for this year. After all, most of the things I discuss in this podcast are controversial issues. And while I don't expect people to agree with me, I love the opportunity to discuss my thoughts on all of the things I talk about. And with that, please do make sure to get in touch. While we don't know what 2023 will bring us yet, I'm looking forward to focusing on primary schools and talking more about what I would do if I were the Minister for Education. So there we have it. Um, That is it, the final podcast episode of 2022. And as I said, I wish you uh, all health and happiness Uh, over the next month and if you celebrate Christmas I wish you a very happy Christmas and New Year Um, if you celebrate any other festivals of course I wish you all the very best for those too I won't go and try and list them because I'll absolutely leave them out Uh, for me I will be spending uh, time with my family and we will be celebrating Christmas in our own way Um, but um, I guess you know I hope you do that too and enjoy whatever you do and get some time uh, to yourselves for your families and enjoy whatever you do. Listen, I also want to say as I finish a huge thank you to everyone for listening to this podcast this year in 2022. It's been um, an absolutely interesting I suppose year um, in um, in ed- primary education with loads of stuff happening um, particularly in the area of special education and I think 2023 is going to be a big year um, in terms of that and I look forward to discussing a lot of that with you um, but until then um, I hope you have a lovely break thanks again for listening all the very best bye bye